Oh, control your mind, control your life. Big different theory, baby. That's what we do. And we are live with a special audio-only guest, Ryan Moran, dude. How are you? Josh, good to have you. Good, to ha good to be happy. It's early here in Austin, Texas. What's up, Josh? Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, yeah, of course, dude. Is that where you're out of? Is that Austin? I'm in Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. Where, where weren't you in New York at one point? I was in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, okay, and so I was in there. the cornfields of Indiana. I lived there. My parents you lived in, in the cornfields. Yeah, where, where my, about? Uh, northeast corner. Uh, actually, northeast of Fort Wayne. Yeah, so like we were, Fort Wayne area. Yeah, yeah so I, we were like literally thirty minutes from the thirty minutes from the Ohio border, forty-five from Michigan. Beautiful. So I was in Marion, Indiana, which is okay. where I went to school. For no years. way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes, I have friends there. That's wild. Awesome. That's wild. Awesome. Yeah. Indiana's Indiana's good people. Cornfields and good people. It's hard. To, well, depending on how much news you watch, you can't meet a bad person in Indiana. You'll see them on the news, but you won't meet one when you go to Indiana. All That's right. People. That's right. Okay. I have to, you're from Cleveland. I know you want to be the, or no, not you want to, you are the future owner of the Indians. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I, I respect it because it's a sport. I'm a football fan. Um, you got to be feeling halfway decent about your Browns. You know, there's a meme going around that says that for years, Browns fans have been praying to God, asking for a winning season. And God finally said, well, it'll cost you a pandemic an economic meltdown and potential <laughs> civil war. And the Browns fan said, sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm a, I'm a new England Patriots fan. I have been my entire yep. life. Um, I'm the so one you're having that, a rough year. I, I, you know, I'm hopeful though. I'm hopeful. COVID kind of screwed us there a little bit. Um, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful of Cam, of Cam Newton, but uh, I'm the guy that uh, have you seen the viral video clip of Gary V roasting the Patriots fan? I have, yes. That's me. Yeah. That, that was you? A, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, you're you're who he said uh you root for winners. I'm yeah. a winner, you root for winners, Dick. Yeah. That one. Yep. That's yeah. Yeah. At Russell uh, at Russell's event. That hurt. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. I got a I got a follow from him on Twitter afterwards. So he follows me on Twitter now to nice. this day. So nice. I was like, you know what? He he hates the Patriots. I got his attention. And I got a Twitter follower out of it. I'll take a roast for that. That's great. Good work. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's get it right into it. Why you're here. You make a post, dude, which I think you opened it up by saying this might be the most controversial opinion of all. I think it might be the most controversial opinion of all just because of who you are. Um, mm. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this post. Let's do it. What stood out to you? Um, you know, you know what, I, I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you and, and maybe we read the post, maybe we don't hear, but I think the thing that I think you had a contradiction in the post. And this is actually when I read this line, this is when I'm like podcast right now. Um, you spent the first, I'm going to say two thirds ish, half to two thirds of the post being like, Trump was awesome. He won you over, right? Mm -hmm. He did all these amazing things. Mm -hmm. Then COVID hit. And then Black Lives Matter with George Floyd. And then Trump basically wasn't the leader that you thought he was going to be. He All he had to do was govern. He didn't. Um, and then you kind of halfway justified, halfway didn't. Biden versus Trump kind of played out mm -hmm. your two options. But mm -hmm. then you said this one line. You said, I only, only, only care about policy. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, how are you undecided about who you're going to vote for if you only care about policy, because it seems to me that you laid out like all the policies that Trump did. 
if Trump were to come out tomorrow and to cast a vision for what his next four years were in terms of policy, he could win me back very quickly. Okay. I haven't seen him do that. He has instead completed plenty of policy proposals, 80% of which I have agreed with. I'm thankful the wall hasn't happened. I thought that was a waste of money and a terrible idea. There were some things in his campaign that I didn't agree with at all, but the things that actually got accomplished, I've been very pleased with. So if he were to come out with a similar set of proposals for the next four years, he could win me back. He hasn't done that. I don't think he has governed in the last year or so. And you could make the argument that you know th things have changed, and I totally get that. And I actually have been very, very positive about how he has handled COVID. And, and overall, I think he has done as good a job as you could expect a president to do when it comes to policy. Rhetoric, he has really struggled. So, so we, have a, we have a gap in leadership right now that he could solve with policy, but I don't see him doing that either. So I want to slightly back up here really quick because I think there's an important note here. Um, and, and you may or may not know this. A lot of the listeners do. I've been a pretty vocal Trump fan since a, since he's gotten in office. Mm -hmm. um, I was, it, took me, it took me about eight to 12 months. Okay. So I was skeptical about how much he was going to yep. follow uh, and govern conservatively. I thought he was going to be a lot more out of control. But yep. to me, I was like, okay, cl clearly he's better than Hillary. I want to get behind him the same way that I will get behind the next president. Now I won't, I might not, let's say, let's you know, alternatively, let's say Joe Biden gets elected. My first post of Joe Biden gets elected is all right, Trump fans, Biden's your president. Biden's our president. Let's get behind him and hope you win. And like, hope you got, you know, governs well. I'm so, I'm so glad you said this, Josh, because I have scripted out in my mind, my post of Biden wins, which is for the last four years, the Democrats rooted for our president to lose. Let's not make the same mistake that they did. And hundred percent. Let's cheer for the president to win, regardless of who the president is. And, and I and I'm 100 percent in the the camp with, of that. I believe that a peaceful transition of power is absolutely crucial. Yep. And I there's going to be a lot of people that push back on this. Oh, voter fraud and things like that. Listen, I am I absolutely believe that voter fraud is a thing. My brother, before he died, like this was back in high school. I mean, this was over a decade ago. And did a paper about you know a research paper on how elephants in the San Diego Zoo were registered to vote and voting Democrats. So like, yeah. I absolutely believe that voter fraud is a thing. However, I want to believe that. Not only is it probably happening on both sides, that we still have somewhat of a fair enough election cycle to say we, we have to all come to an agreement and say we have regardless of the outcome, we all have to agree that the election is what the election is. Well now, said. Now, that being said, uh, I have been a Trump fan, but there's one thing in your post that you brought up that I actually very much agree with you on. And I think we need to 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 lay this out because I think uh, we are we are in agreement here, but we're going to disagree on a lot of other things, perhaps. And that is how Trump handled George Floyd's death and mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. I came out and keep in mind, I've been, you know, three years, three and a half years of, yo, Trump's the dude, right? Like I have a Trump flag flying off my porch. <laughs> like I am, I am all in for Trump, but I, I did a, a very vocal podcast episode basically being like, I don't know if I could vote for Trump back when he was going through that because here's the the leader of the free world where he could have come out and condemn racism incredibly incredibly strongly and he didn't mm -hmm. um no no to, to be fair he did condemn it he like he said some words that you could you could lean right, on right right but he he was he was not the world didn't hear him and he should have said it louder 
Right. And, and that's my point. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with white supremacy, right? Yes, he's denounced white supremacy and he's done it multiple times, but the world didn't hear him. And so he should say it louder. I so I actually think that Trump has done a better job condemning white supremacy than he, he did has. than he, he did handling the the George Floyd situation, because what the world heard from George Floyd situation is George Floyd is looking down from heaven right now, smiling at the job numbers. That's what the world heard. Right. Yes. And I was like, yes. what? Like, who are you? Right. right. Like, what? how it like, dude, I agree with everything that you're doing, but like, that's a problem. And like the politics aside, like who cares about votes for a second? Like, I feel like it, it would, would have been super, super easy to come out much louder. I mean, he's Trump. He can communicate. He knows how to communicate. I think he could have done a much better job communicating that we do not tolerate racism in any format whatsoever. And that all lives and all men are created equal and that we need to do that. And I don't think he did that well. I 100% agree. And the least he could have done is like sent someone on his behalf to say it. Right. But the, the world didn't hear it communicated regardless of what he said or what the exact words was because he, he attempted to. He just wasn't yes. very good at it. And I think the world is craving that leadership of I think I think we are one event away from being more united than ever. And we are waiting for someone to step up into that role to unite us. And I keep waiting for Trump to do that. And part of what I said in that post that led us to this conversation today is that I thought, okay, he'll do it in the debates. Trump will bring us together in the debates. And man, was I wrong. Well, and that's where, he, <laughs> that's where he lost me, right? And I, I have defended the president publicly for years because I value policy so much. So I value policy okay. over rhetoric so much. But then when the rhetoric is this bad, you know, if you give them, if you give them a B plus on policy, I have to give them an F on rhetoric. And so now I'm open to be persuaded, if that makes so, sense. Josh. Okay, yes, but I want to push back on that for here for a second. So you said B plus on policy. Um, and, and I'm going to read part of you know, part of your post here was, um, uh, for in fact, there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic. For example, the threat of ISIS seemed to disappear. Uh, stellar Supreme Court nominations. Uh, inc I mean, like the most amount of regulations rolled back for certainly in the last yep. half a century. No questions asked about that. Uh, negotiating a meeting with King Jong or Kim Jong Un uh, on Twitter. I don't uh, think he gets enough credit for that. I know, I know there's differing opinions on that, but he does not get enough credit for that. At all. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't believe that the, the dictator of North Korea has ever, ever had a me meeting with a sitting president of the United States in the history of ever. Well, not, not only that, but he took away their reason to have war. Right. So if, if he gets flack for giving Kim Jong-un a platform and what most people don't realize is that the reason why Kim Jong-un and his predecessor were building nuclear weapons was to get recognition, right? They are like little rocket man wanted to be seen and Trump saw him and neutralized the need for there to be nuclear war. So we can debate the, the approach, but it worked really well. And now North Korea is no longer a threat. And, and, and that's exactly right. So continuing on, uh, he pulls out of Syria. He's got no new wars, uh, bipartisan criminal reform, booming economy. And like pre-COVID, undeniably, the 
certainly the greatest economy in my lifetime, um, probably the greatest economy in you know the last 20 to 50 years, depending upon who you talk to. Uh, and as you said, an, an incredibly, incredibly productive first term. So I look at all of that and I go, okay, pre-COVID, you're in for Trump. I'm in for Trump. And yes. it is, he has an easy path to re-election. He could have, he could have, and should have walked to re-election. Like without COVID doesn't happen. He is barring some crazy turn of events in for a second term by any stretch of the imagination. No, uh, no before question. COVID, if someone had given me a million to one odds on Trump's re-election, I would have said, great. I just, I just made a dollar. And, and there you have it. Right. So now, now we go in and we are talking COVID. And here's the deal. And this is where I think you and I, I, I like, I, I want to, I really want to understand your reasoning here because you have said in your post and you have said, I only, only, only care about policy. Right. And you have a Donald Trump who has, if you look at what he is up against from a news perspective, outside of maybe Fox News and the New York Post, pretty much every major news publication hates him and is going to twist things completely out of context. Mm -hmm. Would we, we agree with that? Yes, I think that is partially Trump's fault, uh, but, but mostly news media's fault. So yes, for the sake of argument, yes, I'll agree with you. Okay. So you have a media and a Democratic Party whose entire goal, the entirety of their existence right now is orange man bad. We need to get Trump out of office. They are putting forth very little visions of the future. I think Joe Biden in the past couple of weeks has maybe painted a, a vision of the future better than he has up until this point. But 95% of their attacks are Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump is horrible. Mm -hmm. And he is fighting all of that. Everything that he says from the, and did you watch the COVID briefings that he did every day? I didn't watch them every day, but for the first or, few weeks I did. Okay. And so completely taken out of context there. I mean, I even had yes. some of my Democratic friends texting me and being like, yo, like I don't like Trump, but he's being completely taken out of context for yes. things. And so you have Trump who we know is this larger than life kind of arrogant a-hole who just wants to get stuff done and doesn't care what anybody thinks, who is trying to run the country, who is dealing with COVID, who is having the entirety of the media and the Democrat party twist every single one of his words out of context. And he seemed to be the one that shot down the, ban or you know, did the tra uh, uh, um, travel ban to China early. He seemed to be the one that was focused on actually not not focusing on trying to win people's approval with COVID, but actually get things out, whether it be ventilators or masks or whatever it was to it. And so where I'm struggling with your post is, is you're like, hey, listen, I only care about policy, but I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because he doesn't bring us together. And that so, seems to me not policy-based. So, uh, so allow, allow me to add some context. Please, please. The purpose of that post was to show my inner wrestling, my inner conflict, right? Okay. And my value set is to only care about policy, right? And this is a standard and a value of mine that I hold very dearly. Okay. So I will, I will, I have voted third party. I have voted fourth party for goodness sake, right? <laughs> so I, I care so much about policy that now my inner conflict of seeing the fact that I'm considering not voting for the person that I think has had good policy because all of the other ancillary things have been so bad 
in my assessment. And I think that those things have been so bad that they have increased other challenges that policy can't solve. This is cognitive dissonance to me. I am now faced with a problem because I have valued policy so much, and yet I see policy not being able to undo some of the other ancillary things that are coming from the president. And so now I'm faced with a dilemma. I still value policy over rhetoric four to one, but, I'm, but, but I am now faced with a conflict of my own value set. And I haven't and hadn't made a decision. So the purpose of that post was to show that inner conflict, to show that inner wrestling. I still value policy much more than, uh, than everything else. But when the other things are now affecting policy, I now have a conflict. Does that make sense, Josh? It absolutely does. So can you give me an example of what you believe to be non-policy related issues that are getting to the point where they are so bad that they are no longer be able to fix by policy that Donald Trump exclusively is causing that Joe Biden and the left is not. So that was, that was a, a meaty question, Josh. So allow me, allow me to try. Absolutely. T -t -t Take your time. Unpack it. <laughs> so let's work our way into it. So okay. the rising demand of socialism the rising demand of leftist policies. Which, by the way, sorry, one, one quick interjection here. Guys, for those of you that don't know, Ryan Moran is literally the founder of capitalism.com. So for anybody here that thinks that he is a, a liberal socialist in any way, he's not, <laughs> clearly. Just wanted to provide some context for those that don't know who you are. And this is partly why I think my post got attention, because the founder of capitalism.com is wrestling with whether or not to vote for a president who has been mostly friendly to capitalist policies. Incredibly I, so. I, I still don't think that Trump is a real capitalist. He's been mostly a crony for his career, which is part of my criticism when he was running for president. But his policies after election have been mostly friendly. I'll say mostly because there's some things in there that we could, we could wrestle with. For sure. Well, I'm happy to get into if you'd like to, but. The rise of socialism, the rise of leftist policies are a reaction to much of the rhetoric that I think Trump is sharing. And I think that his unwilling or his lack of clarity in denouncing some social policy or social reactions, some things going on in the social sphere, have caused an increased demand for more leftist policies that could theoretically be neutralized with rhetoric. And so I am now faced with kind of a rising demand of what I would consider atrocious policy because I see it as a reaction to some of what Trump is doing that is not necessarily policy related. For example, one of the things that Donald Trump does not get a lot of credit for is social justice reform. He also passed a reparation, or not, I'm sorry, he also proposed a reparations bill, which he gets no attention for. He gets no credit for this. And part of that is due to rhetoric. Because of the way that he has communicated and the response to it, orange man bad cannot pass policy 
that would actually bring both sides together or would neutralize some of the rise of the radical left. I see this as a failure of rhetoric that if he was able to communicate differently, he could neutralize a lot of this threat. Now, this is the double-edged sword too, because also because of his divisive rhetoric, he's been able to pass a lot of things. I mean, I, I, Neil Gorsuch is the finest Supreme Court nominee in my lifetime. I mean, just an, just an absolute, like as far as policy and adherence to the constitution, he is the finest Supreme Court judge that I, that I've ever seen nominated. And he just kind of slipped him in because there was, the news was, was focused on, I think it was Stormy Daniels at the time. So Trump drops Stormy Daniels in there, slips in Neil Gorsuch. So it's a double-edged sword. He gets things done that I like, and I think he prevents things getting done that would bring people together, both as a result of rhetoric. So this is my conflict, Josh, and I haven't yet worked it out, okay? But that is why I am questioning the re-election of Donald Trump rather than all aboard on the Trump train like I was a year ago. Okay, so, okay, so many, so many different things. Do you feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony? There's so many things to go after and you don't know where to start? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> so so here's my – here's where I'm struggling with it though because this, this um, discussion and, I, and I'm going to make an assumption and then – or I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to have you correct me on it with your actual view on it. But what is being communicated to me is uh, while Trump is freaking phenomenal at a lot of what he does from a policy standpoint. Yeah, there's some questionable things in there. We can all agree spending is out of control. Oh, my word. Uh, things of that nature. But like overall, like super from a policy perspective, he gets, you know, a, a positive rating from us. But uh, his his rhetoric and his mouth and the way that he does things. I just don't know if that's great for the country. But yet our alternative option, it, it's seeming to me that you're saying that they're, like if there were an actual better option, like if the other side that we Fair. could vote for is actually did anything, like if they actually had halfway decent policy or if their rhetoric was much better, I, I will say Joe Biden's rhetoric may be better, but like I, I think it's pretty... Uh, I think we can agree that Joe Biden is probably not going to be the one making all the decisions like Trump is. Uh, like, I don't think that the, the other side has a much better option. And so this argument of, but Trump is kind of an a-hole, right? Like, but Trump is really divisive at certain times. I'm like, okay, but is, but the other side is too. Are they not? So my, my view on this is a little bit broader. Okay. Because I agree with you that the, the option, there's not a stark better option in the short term. And, and I also and keep in mind, this is, and this is coming from somebody who said that if it was a Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard ticket versus Donald Trump, that I would probably vote for them. You're breaking my heart. I'm mean, Tulsi Gabbard, maybe, but Andrew Yang was the most dangerous candidate up there. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, All right. Podcast we'll, number two. Number two. We'll okay. come back to that. But like, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that I'm, I'm open. Like, I am not a Trump only Trump, Trump forever. He is the only one that can yeah. save us person. Yeah. That's my yeah. point in so, saying that. So, so I think that's a fair point. And if I were to make a list 
of the Republicans that I would prefer over Trump when it comes to policy, two of the names on there would have been Mitt Romney and John Kasich, both of whom are supporting Biden. And so that that's persuasive to me. That is that is at least attention getting right. You're oofing for a second. So let me give you a little bit more context. John Kasich was a phenomenal governor in Ohio. I didn't want him to be president, but he was a phenomenal governor, like just an absolutely terrific governor. And I would think the same. And I thought the same thing about Mike Pence for Indiana. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Mike Pence, fantastic governor, very popular in Indiana. Wish he had stayed there. You know, wish, wish, wish he had just stayed in Indiana. Uh-huh. And Mitt Romney, phenomenal governor, phenomenal businessman. I really liked him as a presidential candidate. Really liked him, especially in 2012. Was a was a very was an excellent presidential candidate. Both of both of whom now do not support the president and are actually in consideration for cabinet positions for Joe Biden. Now we could argue whether or not they are they are perfect, but they are certainly bipartisan. When I see Joe Biden considering a a bipartisan cabinet, I have to at least pay attention. So the option from the left is not that starkingly great. It's it's bad. But when the nominee is considering a bipartisan cabinet and is at least expressing centrist views, I worry a lot less. And I can't help now this is philosophical this is not based in reality this is based yep. in total ph- philosophy okay but I can't help but wonder if it would be better to have a centrist democrat allowing the republican party to reconvene and put up someone that we're a little bit more excited about in the long term we tend to have pendulum swings in the united states we we tend to after eight-year terms of one president vote for the exact opposite <laughs> office like we we yeah. i mean we and and so i mean look at it right now even after four years of the outsider the the pendulum is swing to like the absolute insider the guy who's been in for 47 years yep and and so and if he wins then we'll go for an even more extreme outsider it'll be It'll be Cuban running, running as, no, actually it'll be the rock. It'll be the rock running as an independent. That's who we would swing to. So the, the absolute opposite extreme is what we tend to swing to. And so when the Democrats put up a mostly centrist nominee who is showing bipartisan tendencies, there's part of me that breathes a sigh of relief that we didn't get Bernie and AOC on the ticket or AOC in the cabinet because he's not old enough to be president. So there is part of me that wants to consider that because I am relieved that it, I almost think that it would take the air out of the, out of the balloon of the push to the left. Again, I recognize that that is philosophical, but it but is yeah. part of my consideration. But Okay. But how, how would you say that you're not getting Bernie Sanders and AOC? If Joe Biden gets elected, so like my, and I, I want to bring this into a broader broader range here. Um, but like, if Joe Biden gets elected, regardless of what you think of Joe Biden, like politically, like Joe Biden's physical mental capacity is not great. Like even, even people on the left, even like a Joe Rogan, who is certainly liberal and leftist leaning, who said that he would vote for Bernie Sanders, keep in mind, uh, says like, 
Joe Biden's mental capacity is is not good. It's not there. Yeah, he said he'd rather have Trump than Biden. He, right. He's like, I'm not a Trump fan, but I'd rather have Trump than Biden. Joe Biden is like putting dead batteries in a flashlight and going on a long ha- <laughs> hike in the dark. Right. right? It's just not going to work out. So you know that Joe Biden is not going to be the one making decisions at a in the level that Trump is. In Trump, we know what we get. We know for sure that Trump is the one. Nobody's sitting back there controlling Trump going, you need to do this. Like Trump is Trump. And, you know, while you might not know specific policies or specifically what he's going to do, you know exactly what you're going to get with him. With Biden, on the other hand, you're getting the Democratic Party. You're getting Kamala Harris, who is arguably a worse candidate than Hillary Clinton. You have AOC, you have Bernie Sanders that are incredibly, incredibly influential in the Democratic Party. And where I'm really wanting to take this, and and I I don't want to bring it here yet, so I'm I'm going to stick here for a second. So you have crazy, crazy radical proposals. I know where you're going here. I'm crazy radical. So so first of all, I agree with you about Harris. Had he put Susan Rice on the ticket, I think this, this it would have been easy. Right? Well, if, I think had, I think I think that yeah, he chose like the Democrats put forth possibly the worst possible candidate outside yes. of maybe Bernie Sanders, and and I even think Bernie Sanders had a better chance of beating Trump than Biden did, by the way. Um, and the absolute worst possible vice presidential candidate that they possibly could have picked, like like the well, worst. Here's here's here's, a, here's the counterpoint to that. For, I agree with you on the VP pick because if he had put Susan Rice on there, I'd be like eh, centrist ticket, let's go. But the fact that it's Biden instead of a Bernie is a reason why we're having this conversation. Bernie doesn't get any of the centrist. Bernie doesn't get any of the Republican base. He doesn't get any of that. Biden does get some of that. So I think in the rearview mirror, the Democrats may have made a good choice. Still don't like the VP pick at all, but I'm not crazy about Pence either. So my, my argument there is, I don't think we're having this conversation if it's not Biden on the ticket because we'd be like, well, obvious, like we don't want, we don't want a democratic socialist. So let's get but, out of there. But that's, but is, that's the party he represents. So like, here's my, here's my thing. And, and I've said this before. This is ultimately where I was getting to this debate or this, this election is in my eyes. And I think a way that we really need to look at it is not a Trump versus Biden debate. And this is where I really wanted to get to with this is this is a, or this is a vote for worldviews. And this is a vote for a a very, very, very different future of the country based on even in last night's debate, we saw this uh, in the final presidential debate of you have one presidential candidate that is, and and I don't know what your your social views are on on different things or religious views, but is is overwhelmingly lower taxes, uh, pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-freedom, pro-opening of businesses and, and, and uh, in, interaction with businesses and, and wonderful on the economy, traditional American values, and is backed by slash has the support of a middle-class working base that is like actually going out there and producing and it shuns all form of socialist ideas. I mean, like he embraces- Well said. Maybe, maybe, maybe some you know spending issues with Trump, but like- that's that's Trump. And then you have the other side, which we're saying is Biden, but that's simply just the face. You have Biden slash AO slash Bernie slash 
Kamala slash everybody there. It's really just Trump on the other side. I mean, yeah, you got Mitch McConnell and whatnot. But well, hold, and, hold on. Now, somebody on the left would push back on that, and they would say, when you're voting for Trump, you're getting Q, you're getting David Duke, you're, and they would make this but, long list of people that they perceived were influential mm -hmm. to Trump. Well, which, you're which, not going to, you're not getting Q and you're not getting those because those are organizations that, by the way, I mean, Trump came out and pretty hardly denounced white supremacy and the KKK. He even made KKK a terrorist organization. So like, I'm talking about specific figures, not organizations, because I could say, hey, if you're voting for the left, like, I'm not even bringing up Antifa here. You could say, oh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, oh, mm -hmm, Q mm -hmm. and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So let's like, let's remove the radical crazies because the, the radical crazy like organizations on both sides, like, yes, like they're both, they're both insane. There's insanity on both sides. But I'm talking about polit prominent political figures on the right is like Trump and Mitch McConnell, maybe. Uh, those are your two big prominent political figures. On the left, you have... I mean, like AOC is probably one of the most influential Democrats mm -hmm. alive right now or, or in office right now. You have uh, Ilhan Omar, you have um, uh, Bernie Sanders. And so you have this, going back to the worldview thing, you have the Trump worldview, which we described. Now you have a worldview, which is pro-socialism, which is pro-choice, which, which that's a, it's a very social issue there. So that could go either way. Anti-Second Amendment, which is more government regulations, which is higher government taxes, which is we'll shut down the economy and take away freedoms in the name of safety, which is a very, very progressive or pretty radical, like I don't think they're going to implement every radical policy, but it is a very, very leftist, extreme, radical-leaning party, uh, and they're bringing that to the table. And right now, you are sitting in a, at, at a point in the country where who who wins this next election is going to largely shape the future of America, like in a, in a very, very extreme format. And so I look at that and I go, okay, I know Trump is an a-hole, but like we kind of put him there for that reason. Like we kind of put him there, like the American people kind of put him there because they didn't, like they were very, very, very sick and tired of, of here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. And then Trump came in and goes, F all you guys, I'm actually going to get it done. And then you might not like what he got done, but he got it done. And so, I mean, even in your post, you know, you admitted that there was probably one of the, you know, the, the most productive first terms in presidential history. So my pushback on this and what I'm trying to understand is how, to me, it seems like you're taking a, and please push back on me on this. I want to know, but like you're taking this idea of Trump's not going to bring us together. And I'm like, I don't think the left and the right want to come together right now. I, I think we should. But like, we have two incredibly massively polar opposite ideas and you have the mainstream media and the Democrats versus Trump. And they will do and say absolutely whatever it takes to win both sides, no morals. Everybody will lie. They'll do whatever it is that, to, that it takes to win. And we're gonna, and you, it seems to me that you're making your vote based on the fact that uh, I don't think Trump's gonna bring people together. It's like, well, yeah, but like, if Trump doesn't get in, do we see what we're getting? Like, it's like everything that America stood for is now up for grabs. I reject the premise. And okay. I reject the premise because I am very confident that the policies that you listed off cannot succeed short or long term. And therefore are weak sauce. Okay, so how I don't, so? How so? They, if the Democrats 
win the presidency, maintain control of the House, and have a close to dead even Senate, they could get a lot done. Even if they got things done policy-wise, those things cannot succeed short or long term. The, the, the momentum and the strength of capitalism is too strong. It breaks socialism. It supplants socialism. So I don't believe that the government can hold back natural currents, natural momentum that comes from individuals. You can pause it for a short term, but that just increases its demand. And that makes it more powerful in the long term. So I don't fear four years of centricism. I don't, I don't even fear four years of, of leftists having control. I just don't think that they're strong enough to do anything. I don't think that they're strong enough to hold back capitalism and free people. Plus, if that happened, you would have the right have such a reaction. You would have such a momentous reaction that they would build up they would build up their own base just like the left is kind of mobilizing right now. So I don't fear what happens in the short term. I don't I don't fear what AOC wants to do. I don't want it done. I don't like it. But I kind of find their attempts sort of adorable rather than I find it an actual threat. So I just don't fear that side. I just but don't it, fear it, what I mean, they like, can accomplish. I mean, like... Look at New York. Look at California. Look, I mean, like it's. And what do you see happening? You see people leaving those cities in favor of. I'm in Austin. I mean, I mean, it's just it's just a flood of New Yorkers and Californians. Californians, you can move here, but don't bring your car and don't vote. I mean that that's what's happening. They're flooding to more red states. So when you have more leftist policies, you get more demand for freedom. You get more demand for low taxes. You get more demand for for red policies so so again forgive me for repeating myself i just don't fear right. leftist policies because it creates more demand for the ideals that we believe in and i think ultimately we win regardless of what happens in the short term okay so let's bring this back full circle then with what was said so you care about policies four to four four to one right compared to rhetoric and anything else i, I like to say that i vote 80 percent on policy and 20 percent rhetoric rhetoric matters but nowhere near what policy does perfect okay so generally speaking 80 percent 80 to 90 percent of the policies that the democrats have put or proposed are you in favor or against of what the democrats have put put out yes are we talking about Democratic Party or are we talking about Joe Biden? Uh, I, so I'll give them yes. a D either way. We'll give them a D. Okay, so super anti their policy. How would you rate them on their rhetoric? C minus. Okay, so they have a D and a C minus. Yep. And Trump, Trump gets a B and an F. B for policy? B for, I give them a B plus on policy and an F on rhetoric. So what? All right. You're, you're, so you're you're asking you're asking me to to weigh those two, and, and you're asking why am I not all up on the Trump train? Well, I, I'm I'm confused by I'm confused by a B rating in a policy when when we I thought we had established kind of earlier on that I mean Trump's policy was pretty phenomenal. He was having one of the best Spend, spending in Federal Reserve. This is where I knock him. Okay. So his in, his influence over Federal Reserve and his refusal to cut spending. This this is this is where he doesn't get an A. So refusal to cut spending pre-COVID or post-COVID? 
either one. Okay, so even pre-COVID, you were mad at him for spending too much. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was very mad at him, Josh. Uh, he, well, yeah, we 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 had we did not have balanced budgets, not even close. We had record deficits, and we have it even more right now. I don't like the fact that he wants to do a second stimulus. I think that is unnecessary and also wasteful. So yes, I, I th- this is why I don't give him an A. So I don't. We definitely should go down the stimulus thing at one point because I'm about as sure. anti-stimulus as, as they possibly can come. But also I'm like, yo, the government kind of screwed freaking everybody. They, they broke it. So in some capacity, they have to buy they, it. They have to. They have to. Right. But right? but you don't buy it twice. You 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 can buy it once, but you don't buy it a second time. The government like governments have mostly opened at this point and federal policy has mostly stayed out of the way. Federal policy has mostly stayed out of the state's way and states can decide how they want to do it. So if states want to shut down, they can have their own stimulus. But to try and make a federal stimulus when things are when we have adjusted to some degree is is not necessary, in my opinion. Now, we're a little bit in the weeds, Josh, right? Like we're we're now at the point where we are we're grading the candidates and trying to make an analysis here. Yeah, I, 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 I stand by my statement, which is that, yes, I have been very happy with the policies of Donald Trump. And this is why I'm conflicted. I am, I am conflicted because the policies have been positive. And it reflects how, I think, how weak he has been in other areas for me to even be having this conflict, for me to even be questioning this. And Biden would have, he would have to throw a Hail Mary to get my support. And that Hail Mary looks like mostly uniting rhetoric a bipartisan cabinet, mostly centrist proposals, but which he what, has done. What, what makes you believe that any of the, like my problem with Biden, well, there's a lot of problems, but on this particular issue specifically, like Biden has changed what he said he is going to do a gajillion times. And you could say that for either side. Well, that's, I, I suppose that's true. Um, but like, what makes you think that Biden is going to be like, let me ask a quick question about Obama. Would you say Obama was pretty, pretty centrist or, or centrist, or do you think that he was more extreme? I Obama. think he was more centrist than Republicans grade him, but he was definitely a progressive president. Yeah. Okay. So we saw what happened with the country under Obama and where that went. And now you have Joe Biden, who's not under the influence of Obama. He's under the influence of Bernie Sanders, AOC, Kamala Harris and people like that. What makes so, you think so, that so he is hang, going? So hang on, hang on, hang on a second. We saw what happened under Obama and where that went. Can you clarify, please? We saw where the country was at, in 2016 when Trump took office. Okay, and I'm I'm reading some subtext uh-huh. in that statement that there was things that you did not like. Is that correct? For sure. Okay, so what what were those things that were so dangerous under Obama? So Obama, I believe from a, well, from, from policy governed, like, I don't even think Obama, okay, let me gather my thoughts here. Okay. okay one of the so, big, one of the big accusation, accusations against Trump was that Trump wasn't going to follow the law, that he was going to just blaze things over and not follow procedure and due process and just overrun the house, overrun the Senate and do whatever he wanted. Obama has did that far, far more than Trump did. So not only did, did Obama go through and completely 
I mean, incredible amounts of executive orders uh, and and kind of not follow the way that things were supposed to be done. Obama governed in, in such a way that was an incredibly progressive uh, society, like brought brought America away from its traditional um, values. And is it is it not true that Donald Trump has more executive orders than Barack Obama? I let me Google it right now, actually. All right. So so that was a little bit of a word salad, Josh. Yes, it was. It was, very phil- it, it was a little it was very philosophical. But if we if we if we grade Donald Trump with only having passed only grading him on what got passed and where the country was and we apply that to Barack Obama, the country wasn't that wasn't in shambles when Obama left. The the policy that I take the most the 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 most I, I I reject the most is the Affordable Care Act. Right. So this is this is where I think this was an atrocious policy. Apart from there, we we could have a nice philosophical debate about Barack Obama, but it's mostly been undone by Donald Trump, which reflects the point that I make that when you have leftist policies, the long term they get undone because freedom is popular, because capitalism but it, but is it, strong. But is it though now? Like I kind of thought so, but then like, like the policies that like AOC, Joe Biden, I mean, even Joe Biden, I mean, like shutting down the country, if scientists say that shut down the country, take away freedoms in the name. I mean, like people are openly ready and willing to give up their freedoms in the name of safety. We like business owners across America literally shut down their shops with no fight because the government said so. Like when you say the government, who is the government? Um, because Donald Trump was president. So uh, who do, who do you say was was so, forcing so I, them to shut down? I believe that governors of states are the ones that ultimately controlled what goes on in their states. I don't Agreed. believe, and this is and this is. Um, I believe that both Joe Biden and Donald Trump have less, and and Donald Trump proved this. I mean. COVID arguably, and you've seen this in Democratic states, New York and California specifically here, COVID was arguably one of the greatest opportunities for a government power grab, certainly in my lifetime. Um, Would you agree with that? Yes. So you saw that Donald Trump did, for the most part, not take advantage of that in any way. He did not overstep his boundaries in any way, shape or form. Correct. And to the point where even when there were protesters and riots in Portland, he did not set in federal troops except to defend federal property. Donald Trump followed the process of staying out of states and letting the states run their way. Very and well so, said. And you see Democrat policies, Cuomo and uh, who's the uh, mayor or the California dude? I can't think of his name right now. Literally locked down their entire states and New York City specifically and Los Angeles specifically, fining business owners for even being open and operating, shutting down all essential businesses, requiring masks, like stripping people of their personal and business freedoms in ways that we have not seen anywhere. I mean, at unprecedented rates in Democrat-run states, and typically speaking in Republican-run states, you know this, you're in Texas, Texas, Florida, things of that nature. I used to live in Nebraska when this was all going down. I just moved to Denver recently. Like pretty very red states are open and and much more... um, free and open to do what they want. And you have Joe so Biden. I, so, I, so, I, I, so I think where you are going with this is since we agree 
that the red approach, the Republican pro-freedom approach to this was more philosophically correct, that you fear that if we have a blue or democratic president, that that precedent won't be followed and we'll have will have government or countrywide shutdown similar to what they have in Australia, where people are just forced to not leave their house and have mandatory quarantine. Is that kind of where you're going with this? Yes, because of that's what Joe Biden has said. I mean, Joe Biden has said, hey, if scientists say we got to shut down the country, the whole country is getting shut down. He said, I would fair point. You know, man, I would mandate masks across the board. I would, uh, depending upon, and and he was very vague about this in the in the last debate of, um, or I'm sorry, in his town hall meetings about vaccines, but he's like, hey, depending upon how vaccines are handled, well, we may or may not make them mandatory. Like, bro, you can't, like, you can't, you can't do that. You have, I, I just, I just want you to know, Josh, I think this is the most persuasive point you've made so far. So, oh, so I'm, awesome. I'm listening. Please continue. Okay. So you have Biden who has openly come out and said that he is going to do these things on top of when, I mean, in his town hall, uh, when asked how he was going to go through and uh, I think it was for the transgender, I believe and my point here is not the social issue, but the policy behind it of how he was going to go through and protect the rights of, of um, uh, transgender and uh, LBGT, uh, LGBTQ. Yep. You, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You thank you. Tea, yep. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Um, plus he said, I'm, well, I'm just going to flat out change the law. Right. I mean, those were his exact words. I'm just going to flat out change the law. You have uh, the people, Beto, who he has said he will be putting in, in his cabinet to oversee the Second Amendment and, and guns. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. This is news to me. Did Biden really say that? Because that would almost sway me if Beto's getting a cabinet position. Did Biden say that Beto's going to be in my cabinet? Uh, I, I will fact I, check I just, that I just, right I, now. I'm I am, gonna, I'm gonna I am a- 99%. Beto, Beto is going to be in charge of overseeing restriction of the set of guns. Okay. I, I just want to make the, I will, I promise that I will research this because that would be news to me. And that would, that would persuade me. If, if Beto's getting a cabinet seat, we, we have a problem. So, so basically here's, here's where I'm, let me summarize your argument. But, but hold, 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 hold on. I, I do want, I do want to finish. I, I do want to finish this. So you have a presidential candidate in Joe Biden, who is backed by very extreme views of candidates. Now, regardless of whether they are not or not, they are his views or not, and and how he will govern, he is backed by incredibly extremist views. And he has openly come out and said that, hey, listen, I will just executive order it. And we're in the middle of COVID. And so because the Democrats including Joe Biden have a track record of and Joe Biden less so because he's not currently holding the office of the presidency, but whether it's New York or California or any of the Democrats across the country, literally coming in and just stripping freedoms in the name of safety, taking those away and saying that the people that he is going to appoint for these positions to do these things have very radical views. I look at that and go, some of those things are going to be astronomically more difficult to get back than a simple policy change. For example, if you are shutting down the entire country and I mean, like, you you know this, you're an entrepreneur, 60% of small business owners, they're saying, that are shut down are not going to reopen, 50 to 60%, depending upon what you look at. So you have statistics like this, and you have a, a Democratic presidential candidate that's basically coming in and like, I'm just going to make it happen regardless. Like, I'm just going to sign it, we're going to get it passed, we're going to shut it down in the name of safety and stripping personal freedoms. And you have Trump, 
who has a proven track record to not do that, has a proven track record to not overstep the, the boundaries of the presidency, and openly supports personal and state choice and business choice on whether or not they want to require masks, whether or not they want to require lockdowns, and how they want to govern at the state level. So my argument back to this is, when looking at that, your big main point of not wanting to vote for Trump seems to continue back to this, hey, he's kind of an a-hole, he has terrible rhetoric. And I'm saying, yes, but half of that is his fault, half of that's the media's fault, but like, let's look at everything else that he's doing because everything else that he's doing seems to be in alignment with how you and I would want the country to be run. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot in there, Josh. Yes. So I, I, out of, first of all, I want to summarize your argument to make sure that we're on the same page. Sure. I am, I am hearing your argument be that the concern for you is not Joe Biden or even Joe Biden's policies. It is the influence of the left as well as some of the people that he has shown favor to, whether that be cabinet positions or just having his ear, influencing domestic policy. That's is actually that a great, that is a great way to put it because I actually okay. don't, like, I don't believe that Joe Biden actually knows what Joe Biden is really doing outside of the points that he's been prepped to talk about. Like, I don't think that he's the decision maker. And I think that there's pretty substantial reason to believe that. I hear you, totally got you. And so basically from your perspective, you could tip, my, tip your cap and even gently agree that Joe Biden's rhetoric is more favorable, but there is much more happening behind the rhetoric, which is the influence in the policies of those that could be influencing the potential president. Right. Is that I don't a fair summary? Absolutely. I don't think that Joe okay. Biden's rhetoric is accurately reflective reflective of what he is going to do based on what we have seen also i did pull up the article here i have three different sources uh here's the exact quote about about uh beto um so moments after democratic presidential candidate beto uh who promised in september debate to quote take away legally purchased assault rifles if elected endorsed joe biden's white house the former vice president promised to name the texan as his point man for on gun control Joe Biden said, quote, I want to make something clear. I'm going to guarantee you this is not the last you've seen of him, Beto. Biden said on Monday evening, you're going to take care. Um, uh, he is going to be the one that is going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one looking at Beto. You're going to be the one who leads the effort. I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. Okay, so uh, for the, I will look into this more. There is nothing in there that suggests that he's going to have a cabinet seat, as you suggested. But do besides I, do the, I, you're the primary point of contact to take care of all guns do do i understand your argument correctly did i summarize your argument accurately yes okay so we're on we're on the same page there so you know that i understand you i i, I would think so yes okay so i do i where i give negative points to the president is in the reaction that other people have to the way that he communicates policy. So in, in any case, when you have a reaction to something, mm -hmm. you have increased demand for opposite policy. And I think that that policy can be neutralized very quickly with a change in rhetoric. 
And I would like to see that happen. And Trump could win me back over with a simple change in that. How would he do that? Like, what would that look like? He could start by not attacking individuals, thus prompting the left to defend those individuals. So he could simply stop picking out individuals and attacking them. So that would, cra- that would be cra- crazy Nancy and everybody that he's calling these names, calling uh, Fauci an idiot, things like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, and I can agree with that for sure. He, I mean, he could st- just stop talking for a while and that would, that would do it. I think we can agree. One of the things that Biden has done well is he hasn't said much. So if Trump did that, it would, it would win my vote. I think he, he kind of showed the opposite in the first debate where I was, he kind of lost me in that first debate. I, I but, want but, to, but how does, but how, I just don't, and, and I'll let you finish. Just go ahead and I'll ask my question. I, I, I want, I, I want to be very honest that I, I think the point that you made about the difference in policy regarding COVID response was very persuasive. Okay. So, so my brain is half processing that because I think that was a very accurate, precise point while also half listening to some of the things that you slip in there that I think are unrelated that I want to debate. Please do. With you. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So, so, but, but I, but I feel torn because I'm, I'm processing this part of, of you're, you're absolutely right that Trump has, Trump has, his policies have been very undersung when it comes to COVID. The approach of letting states do what they need to do is exactly the right thing to do. Um, and he doesn't get enough credit for defending that. And you're right that I have kind of taken that for granted in a sense, where I have no idea what a democratic president would, would do. In more, in more leftist countries, like, like down under, you're, you're not allowed to leave your house, which is the exact wrong thing to do. So you, th- that's where my brain is processing your point. I've, I've sort of taken for granted that policy because I haven't seen what the opposite policy would be. I don't know how Barack Obama would handle that. I don't know how Joe Biden would handle that. Um, the plans on the, the Democratic uh, pol- that have been proposed look very much like the president's, but, but we don't know. Well, so, and in, so you, what, in what way? There. In, what way in what way have the Democrats' proposals looked like the president's proposals? Mike Pence said in the vice presidential debates, it sounds like your policy looks a lot like ours, which is allowing states to do what they need to do and shutting down some international travel and listening to the experts, right? A very vague, very broad response. So I have mostly agreed with how the president has responded to that. And you kind of have me on the, on the point of, I don't know what the opposite, what, what, the, what the left would have done there. Would I be more upset with them if, if they had responded differently, but where but I do, I, I'm, and I'm a little bit confused on that because I don't think, I, I, and Mike Pence did say that. I, I do remember him saying that, but we do know what the Democratic policies are. You look at New York and you look at California. And the state level, yes, correct. Right. And on, you on have the state level. And so, so where I think, so where, where you are suggesting is that if you have a Democratic president, you might get a reflection of Democratic policies forced over all of the states, which we both would agree would be a very bad thing. A very bad thing. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in the platform to suggest that would be the case. 
And and if you were to implement that, you would have such a reaction from the right that the that the the right would completely reject that. Right? You you would have and, right riots instead of left riots. And I think we are and and how the right is rejecting that right now is they're saying we absolutely don't want that, which is why we're going to put Trump in there again, because we're going to, yes, he's an a-hole. Yes, he sucks. But like, clearly he's letting us live our lives. And that, like, I feel like that is the rights protest is we're like, listen, yeah, Trump isn't perfect. Like we know his rhetoric is terrible, but like, at least he governs. Right. So like the, the, the left is getting more and more and more insane. And Joe Biden is the face of that democratic party. And so whenever you put a party in power, regardless of whether it was Joe Biden or not, we're looking at that worldview coming back to that full thing. We've seen how the Democrats, when they have full control, how they govern. We've seen how Nancy Pelosi and the people in, in California have governed. We see how the people in New York have governed. And we know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris specifically uh, have pointed to those as role model cities of, of, and, and of how we should be governing things. And so I look at that and go, okay, like Joe Biden might not have come out and specifically spelled out that well, he, I mean, he kind of did. He said, hey, we're, we're going to, I'll put the whole country into lockdown if the scientists say so. So like, that's where I, I'm not quite, I don't, I think the Republican slash Trump approach to COVID is very radically different in implementation than what the Democrats are. Okay. So, so, so I, I think you just hit on the fundamental, the, the fundamental argument, which is that you don't think that this is a debate between Trump and Biden. It is more uh, yeah, philosophical no. than that. that much, where, much, it, much more. Yes. Right. So, so it is, it is difficult to have a conversation about individuals if we are having a global conversation about philosophically what we would prefer. I don't think Joe Biden as a person reflects the leftist philosophy of the extreme parts of the Democratic Party, just like I don't think Donald Trump reflects the extreme right-wing philosophy that is attributed to the Republican Party. So philosophically, when it comes to policy, I think you and I are on the exact same page. The place where we are different is that I don't fear that Joe Biden is going to reflect those extreme left-wing policies if he is put into office. I just don't think that's possible. I think that- And why the, don't you think that? Because the right philosophy, the correct philosophy of freedom and free markets and personal autonomy is too strong to be able to be controlled. Well, and, and I don't- And why and do I, you- and, so, maybe, so in a, in a pre-COVID world, maybe. But look at- countries like Venezuela, look at countries that have gone down a very socialist path that have become socialist-based countries. And I think you and I can both agree, regardless of how they got there, there's like, once they're there, it's not like you can just reverse some policies and go back. Would we agree so on that? So I, I agree with you. And that's also the case in the US where that cat's out of the bag. People are not going back into lockdown. There, right. There would be a complete rejection mm. of that. If the, if the president came out and tried to lock people down, especially if it's a Democrat. Yes. If, if, it's, but, if it's a Democrat trying to shut people down, you have, you have a right riot. Pe people are now leaving their house just out of protest. So would, would you say that socialism is more of an economic idea or a social idea? 
It's both. It's more economic than it is social, but it is both. So, okay, perfect. So if it is more economic, which I agree, I would say, let's call it 60-40, okay? And that might, maybe a little bit, that might not be 100% accurate. But like right now you have, and there is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of cases of this. Uh, you have Democrat policies, socialistic policies, especially in Democrat-run states where business freedoms are being like literally at the snap of a fingers, you're not essential, you must shut down. Like no question or else you're going to be fined. And you see this very widespread. You see incredible, incredible, incredible business restrictions on this. And so if a worldview of the left comes in where Joe Biden's not the one making decisions, he's signing off on them. Yeah, he's making decisions for the country as a whole or whatnot. But basically when and I, 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 the typical talking points of AOC and Bernie Sanders, but like any extreme Democrat, any Democrat wants to come in and wants to get something done to lock someone down, to find something, to take away free speech. I mean, you have Gumo that's literally saying that if that if the churches and, and people don't abide, that he's going to just shut down the churches and synagogues. I mean, these are like his own exact words of, of people coming in. And so you have that type of person, Joe Biden, in power that will basically sign off on whatever is put in front of his desk, as long as it's coming from his colleagues. And you see how COVID is being used as an excuse to take away mass personal freedoms and business freedoms. And so my huge concern is hold, that hold, hold on what what was what are the freedoms that have been being taken away do you mean uh, the right to operate a business is that where you're going right to operate a business right to go to church right to gather a, in large assemblies unless of course it's for black lives matter then it's totally fine but like, <laughs> so but like these, these are these are all statewide these are all these are all state policies i think i think this where where i don't follow your reasoning uh -huh. is that those state policies can be implemented federally that can be but, implemented unilaterally across 50 states. But but they, like they've said they're going to do that. Like what I think what you're referencing is Joe Biden saying that he would listen to the scientists and you're extrapolating that out over saying that he would shut people he would shut down the whole country if the scientists said that they, that they should. And and I and, and that, I think that's a leap and, in logic. So it, if here's following my logic is if the Democrats states are doing it currently. And we see that that is a tremendous failure, but they want that across the board and their leader who could be elected president. We're talking in hypotheticals, correct? Yeah, yes. Okay. Well, well, I, the hypothetical, they, the Democrat states have done this at a state level. That's not hypothetical, but now like now we're talking hypothetical, the hypothetical part of if they want to, go and put that across the board yeah, and say, hey, everybody in America should do this. And Joe Biden is in office and has already entertained the idea of shutting down the country if the scientists say so, mandating, mm -hmm. ma I mean, Joe Biden has come out and, and straight up said that he would mandate masks across the board, like uni universally across America, all 50 states, mandate masks. And you have incredibly left-leaning policies. I look at this and go, like, send... Like in what world, in what, like since when is that the government's decision ever? Since when is that allowed to be a thing? Like since when is the government telling people when they can and cannot operate a business? That is it's, socialism. It's not, which is why I don't fear it. Because but if you have that happen, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, rejects that and Texans pick up their guns and say, don't come into my state. You can't tell me what to do. And so this is, then this is why I say that the, 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 the philosophy of freedom is too strong.
to withstand but, something like that. But so then, I mean, you have, like, I feel like what you're saying there, follow that train of logic. So then Texas says that, and then Joe Biden says what? Okay, we're going to send the military in to enforce it? Like, then, then, then what, do all, what do the 30 other Republican states do? So, and then we lead to so, a civil war. Is, is so, that the end result? Like, I'm just trying to what, follow that train of thought. What I am, what I am arguing is that uh -huh. it would never get to that point because those, that philosophy just doesn't work. The leftist philosophy just doesn't work. And I, and I, I know there are people disagreeing with me. I just don't think Joe Biden is that stupid to try and force policies across those who directly reject it, knowing that it would lead to civil war. I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see that happening. So, but, but yes, he could said he's going to of, of the, of the, of the, if thens, if they do this, well, then they'll do this. And if they'll do this and then, but it just won't get to that point. So can I, can I summar, summarize where I, where I'm understanding your argument is? I'm ready. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that right now you do not believe that the leftist ideologies are strong enough to overtake the ideology of freedom and what America was founded on. And that even if the left were to get into office, you know what? Their policies aren't gonna be that bad because freedom is going to prevail. The capitalistic market is too strong to go through and, and be beaten. And so I'm not horribly worried about that. And so what I think is more important right now is that we need unity in the country over a policy first president. I do care about policy, but I don't think that is the most pressing issue right now. So I would rather have someone with better rhetoric than someone with better policy, potentially in the office, because that's what I think the best solution is right now. I really appreciate that we have so clearly articulated each other's summaries. Yes, that was very well done. Okay. So where do you think rhetoric, like, I guess what I'm trying to understand is Okay, so let's assume, and I, and I will, I will. Uh, uh, so, so, Josh, but before before you go anywhere, I, I yeah. need to point out that if I'm wrong, and and what you say is possible does happen, you and I are in the same boat. I reject I reject that policy as as strongly as anyone, and you reject that policy. And the entire Republican Party rejects that policy, and half of Democrats reject that policy. So I reject that overreach that you are describing. And I'm open to the idea of me being wrong. Perhaps the policy is more dangerous than Biden lets on. And if that's the case, then you and I are in the same boat. Where we don't know is we're playing out a lot of theoreticals, which both parties do which are very impossible to predict because we couldn't predict half of what happened in the last two years. So this is why I'm openly wrestling with it. So, okay. And, I'm, and I'm open, openly expressing my conflict. And, and I'm, I'm glad we're at this point here. Okay. So I want to bring this to, and kind of address this question uh, in a much more non-hypothetical way. What rhetoric by Joe Biden and the left, do you see that is uniting the country and that you think will continue to, to unite the country if Joe Biden were to be elected? Two things come to mind. One, 
this is uh, this, this is this is this has nothing to do with policy and i recognize this okay but i thought it was really classy how joe responded to the death of robert trump when joe biden expressed sincere condolences to the president when he lost his brother it was just classy and it was classy at a time when no one else was being classy it it was just well done so that was more of a reflection of character than it was about what public rhetoric will be, but it stood out to me. When it comes more directly to how we will be governed, I'm very encouraged by the at least soft commitment to have Republicans on the cabinet, thus having a bipartisan, a bipartisan administration. If that holds, I think that's very unifying for the country. I think it's going to drive the left crazy. I think it's going to drive Democrats nuts that they can't just respond to the president and take things over. But if Biden is true in that commitment of having a bipartisan cabinet, I think that is very centrist and very unifying. So those are the two things that come to mind that reflect what Biden has done up to this point that I hope will continue if it's a Biden administration. So would you consider single like just the appointment of, let's say, Mitt Romney and John Kasich, let's say both of those get cabinet positions. Is that considered a bipartisan cabinet? Because the cabinet's pretty big. Yeah, um, I I think you do consider that bipartisan depending on what their job title is mm -hmm. and depending on how much say they have, which we don't know and we won't know. Okay, so now the, the next question that goes along with that is, okay, so sweet. We've, we've established that that's what, where you think the Democrats have done a better job at uh, rhetoric than Trump has, which I'll, I, I conclude. I, I, I agree with you. Okay, cool. So they have done a better job there. Now and let's- for the, for the record, most Republicans have had better rhetoric than the president has. So this, it, yes, you're correct, but it is more than just the Democrats have done better on rhetoric. Trump's rhetoric has just been, has just been poor. And I absolutely would agree with you on that, for sure. Trump hasn't, although I will say this, my, I will be interested to see the outcome of the election because if Trump does win in an absolute landslide, like if Trump just absolutely cleans house, then I think we all kind of got to shut up about his rhetoric because clearly he's doing something that's working. And, and I actually do think that he is going to win in a landslide. I at, think least don't, at least an electoral college landslide. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to, I want to play out two scenarios for you here, which is let's assume Donald Trump stays in office in one scenario and Joe Biden gets into office in another scenario. <laughs> okay. Going, I'm not even going to impose my views here, going off of your, where you're looking at and what you think could potentially happen. What do you think, or what would it take for you to say, yep, Trump, if you did XYZ PDQ in your, <laughs> you know, next four years, like that would be worth it. And what do you think that the Democrats would have to do to say, oh yeah, like they're, they're crazy. This was a, definitely a bad idea. That's such a great question, Josh. I love this question. So here's what President Trump would have to do in order to make whatever rhetoric he wanted to use worth it. This is perfect. He would, <laughs> he would have to reduce the size of government 
to the point where you and I no longer had to have this conversation. If he were to reduce the size of government to the point where you and I were no longer concerned about the power that a democratic president would have, I don't care what he says. If he starts eliminating departments and subsidies and the size of government and total spending and returning more and more power to the states, to the point where the president is inconsequential in our lives, well, now it doesn't matter what the president says because the president doesn't have direct influence over our lives. That okay. would do it for me. Well, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> well, if if okay. if the president is as philosophically sound as we hope him to be, then I think you could do that. I don't think he will. But I do think it's possible. I think you well, could have a president come in who just starts eliminating departments and reducing the size of government. Perhaps. An another thing that uh, that might be more tangible would be if there was if there was legitimately positive health care reform. Now, now I am so glad they got rid of the man individual mandate. That was very good. But the the policy that they proposed was not a meaningful step forward or a meaningful improvement upon Obamacare. If you give Obamacare an F, their proposal was a D minus. If the president was able to create a healthcare system that was a significant improvement, then I, I get on board with that as well. Okay. An example of that might be, here's where my two ideal philosophies get blended. If you have a government haircut, meaning all departments take a 10% haircut, at all spending takes a 10% haircut. Families have had to do it. Now the government has to do it. Everyone takes a pay cut across the board. And with that money, you create block grants for states. And those block grants are treated just like Pell grants for student loans where you now have individuals who are able to apply for grants to pay off healthcare expenses. And states have their own departments to be able to forgive certain medical bills based on the block grants from states. This, I think, would be an improvement on the system from what we have because it doesn't mess with markets because it is directly going to people who need it the most. And you have state control and it's paid for with neutralized spending, with spending that has been reduced. That to so, me would be an improved system of what we have. So I ahead, absolutely agree that that would be an awesomely improved system. In fact, that's probably one of the better solutions I've seen proposed. I, my question to you is, uh, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Do you believe that healthcare is a human right? Because Joe Biden, in, in yesterday's debate, he, he even said that, that healthcare is a human right. So a, I, I always say that, yes, it's a human right, but it's also a human right to not to not provide. So you have, how, you have, a, how, you have how, a right to make purchase decisions. You do not have a right to be entitled to whatever somebody else has. Right. So, in, so, so you, in, the, in the rhetoric way that people say, no, I don't think you have a right to insurance. Okay. I think you have a right to care. And those two things are very different. I think you, so you're saying you should have a right to buy insurance. Correct. But not to have it. Correct. You have, you have a right to access to healthcare. I, I, and I agree with that. Access to healthcare means that you have a lot of competition, 
very low prices and very low regulations. Okay. Okay. So he would have to reduce the size of the government. Yep. Or do actual positive healthcare reform. Yes. Is there anything else that Trump could do to win you over? Like to where you're a Trump train, like <laughs> about to, I'm about to, fly, about to fly a flag off the back of my Jeep. Um, it, <laughs> it's just, I'm picturing myself with that and it's so out of character for me. Um, I want to say additional meaningful tax reform, like a flat tax or a, uh, a different tax system. But I, I don't think that, I think what we've already got have is, is what we're going to stick with. I mean, those, those he did he, he did pass some pretty significant tax reform, did he? Oh not? yeah, huge okay. step in the <laughs> Huge step. I think the other thing that he could do is if he were to change as simply as change his rhetoric around the Federal Reserve, we've set up a really dangerous precedent where the where the the president now influences the behavior of the chairman of the federal reserve yeah that was kind of i was pretty blown away that, when I saw that, that concerns that. me a great deal and uh if i had a magic wand that would that would change so the 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 i'm just curious this is kind of not related to debating or debating trump but i'm just curious your thoughts uh there's been discussion that what trump is trying to do or what is what is ultimately going to end up is people want to get or he wants to get back to the gold standard and that he's doing yeah. everything here to do that. I. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's on not going to happen. No, I mean we're we're closer to a Bitcoin standard than we are a gold standard. Okay. Just, just um, making sure we're yeah, on the same page there. Okay. Yeah, so, so reduce size of government, positive healthcare reform, additional meaningful tax reform, change Federal Reserve rhetoric slash policy around that. Correct. Okay. So. This is now, fun. I like this part of the conversation where we just get to pretend that we're president for a second. <laughs> well, but because I'm, I'm actually going to, I have, a, we're going someplace with this. Let's go to Biden. Okay. What would Biden have to do to be like, hold up, wave my magic wand. You're out. Sorry. You suck. Trump's back in because that was bad. What are the things where it's like, Eesh. any overreach of federal policy going into the States? Okay. So any any additional any additional policy that suggests that the federal government takes precedent over state policy, regardless of the topic, regardless of uh, the issue, whether it's COVID or whether it's healthcare, any anything that. What about guns? I I put that in that category. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. So any anything that that subverts states' rights. Gets that reaction from me. Okay. What else? I mean, that pretty much covers a lot of things. Tax. Uh, I think Joe Biden's tax policy is not going to get through. But if you raise taxes specifically on the middle class, that's a problem. So why um, why do you think it wouldn't get through if they have the House, they have the presidency, and they have a somewhat balanced Senate? Um, because you would need it to pass the Senate, and I we haven't had a. Uh, a Republican Senate that voted for a tax raise since since George Bush Sr. So I I I just don't think that we're going to go back to raising taxes. You don't think that if Joe Biden gets in office that they're going to raise taxes? 
I I have sincere doubts that it would actually pass Congress. Well, I think you're definitely, well, we're definitely just going to disagree on that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's part, part of a, a big reason why people are voting for Biden. I think Biden oh, has yeah, to yeah. deliver. I think Biden has to deliver on, like, just like Trump had to deliver on certain things and Obama had to put through Obamacare, like Biden's got to raise taxes. I mean, that's I don't think so. I don't think there's that much. I don't think there's that much demand from the left to raise taxes. I I don't I don't I don't think that's the case. I all right. Well, let's get back. Uh, we can okay. come back go, to that. Go, let's go, go back. Go so ahead. overreach of federal policy going into the states tax policy. Yes. What else? If they were to pack the court, pack the court. Okay. I'll I'll leave it there. Those are my three. Those three. Okay. So. I'm just going to read these two off here because I, I, this is fascinating. I see where you're going with this. And I actually, you, I like where you're going with this. Okay. So in order for Trump to win your approval, <laughs> reduce size of government, positive healthcare reform, additional meaningful tax reform, change in federal government or federal reserve rhetoric in order for uh, you to hate the Democrats and be like, yo, you suck <laughs> overreach of federal policy going into the States, increase of tax policy, packing of the court. Well played, Josh. Yes. Okay. What have the Democrats said that they want to do? <laughs> I, I know where you're going with this. Well played. Okay. Well they played. Want, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes by 3.4 or 4.2. I can't remember which one it is. I've heard so I many. I think it was 3.4. but 3.4 trillion dollars. They will in no way say they have never once denied that they will pack, not pack the court. In fact, and I'm not, I'm not going to put words in Joe Biden or Kamala Harris's mouth because they have been very clear to avoid that question at every turn. So they have not said that they're going to, but many other people on the left have. So we don't know if they're going to do it or not, but they have in no way said they won't. Uh, and in every Democrat-run state, and I understand it's not at the federal level because they don't control mm -hmm. the federal level. Mm -hmm. As a state, there has been a massive overreach of government at a state level into personal and business freedoms. And you have a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris ticket that has said that they will absolutely do that if necessary. So this, specific is, this is all well played. Well, well played. You did good there, Josh. Okay. And, and once again, when we're talking philosophically or about policy, I am, we are 100% okay, in the same hold, camp. Hold on, let's, let's finish this off though. I just wanna, I wanna play this all the way out and then I'll give it as much time as you wanna go to discuss this. On the flip side, you have, you would want Trump to reduce the size of the government. I don't know if Trump is going to do that, but Trump has rolled back regulations, as we agreed, both agreed, and you said in your post, more than anybody, any president in my lifetime and probably in the last, what, 50 years or so. Roll back a government regulation. Uh, has already passed significant tax reform and has taken away the individual mandate of healthcare to start the process of healthcare reform. The Democrats, I think we can both agree on simple yes or no answer. And if we say no, you can explain. The Democrats are not going to reduce the size of government, yes or no. But say that last part again. The, are the Democrats going to reduce the size of government, yes or no? No, of course no. not. Uh, are they going to do any form of meaningful tax reform? Not in any way that you and I like. Okay. Uh, I think we are both in agreement on the Federal Reserve. I think both parties suck up that. And then yes, healthcare, healthcare reform, you have 
Joe Biden, who is part of Obamacare, who now apparently there's a Biden care. Who knew? Right. That was the that was pretty crazy last night. Who? Uh, well. Trump's um, health care plans versus Biden's health care plans. Which one would you say is a more positive uh, health care reform based on what Trump you've seen? Better than Biden, for sure. Trump better than Biden. So. So. So we all we all see where you're going here. And once again, if we were if we were if we were having a policy or philosophical debate, this is a short conversation. This is a total short conversation. Like we don't get to this conversation if I don't feel conflicted because of the conversation we're having right now. But but what, your conversation is, hey, I don't think the Democrats are going to be that extreme, and Trump's uh, rhetoric is bad. And I'm like. But the very things that you have said that if they do, you would be like bad, you don't think they're going to get it done, but those are literally the things that they have said they're going to do. So here's a, there's another layer to this, which okay. is that the rhetoric from the right has been, specifically from Trump, has been so bad that it has fueled the left to demand these things. Okay, and but to that what? can be easily undone. And the longer that it goes on, the more you feed the left that fire and the more you drive more people to the left. That, that is the subtext of what is happening. That is the subtext of the divide of people being pushed to one side or the other. So the, be, the, because, because we generally speaking like what trump is doing but that's pissing off the other side because of the way that it is communicated we don't support what we want to get done but we support better rhetoric from people that have said they're going to do things that we don't want done i didn't quite follow that so allow me to clarify the specifically the rhetoric that has come from the white house uh -huh. has fueled more uprising to the left and that leftist policy is is why we are afraid of the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders of the world. They don't have a foothold if they don't have more demand for a reaction to Trump. So I think that the rhetoric from Trump is feeding that reaction, feeding that pendulum swing to the other side that threatens to undo a lot of the policy that we have seen happen in the right direction. And if, we, if you don't change that now, and it could change with a change in rhetoric from Trump, or it could change from a centrist politician replacing him. Then you have an increase of that in four years of what that concerns me a great deal. That is where you could have an AOC come in and be president. That is where you could have a democratic socialist come in and actually be able to get things done. So it's sounds where you could flip the house and the Senate to the left. So you, okay, so updated version of your argument here, if I'm understanding, is your concern is actually not for the immediate four years. Your concern is if Trump stays in office, we actually get a radical, crazy, insane person in there uh, because the pendulum will swing the other way so hard. So you're saying, hey, rather take Joe Biden because he's a central, like, uh, like not so crazy radical person now so that we can get a Republican back in there, hypothetically speaking, in four years, yep. that swings the pendulum our way, that communicates it better. We're, again, speaking in hypotheticals, but yes, that's certainly on my mind. Okay, so that's the first thing that you communicated to me that I'm like, okay, actually, like, I understand what you're saying there. Disagree, okay, so, so, but actually, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, so I'm glad we got here because 
philosophically, we could banter back and forth. At the end of the day, we kind of agree. I'm not, I am not conflicted because of policy. I'm, I'm conflicted because I agree with you on policy. But the thing that I see has, as being dangerous, which has been the, the rhetoric that has been communicated and picked up, is fueling the other side as a reaction, which I think is the reason for our divide. But so it's also you, very easily solvable. I very see that, and that's why, I, and that's why I disagree. I don't think it's easily solvable because I, I believe that, and this is keep in mind goes both ways. But I understand there's delusional people on both sides of the, the aisle. I'm not in any way saying it's strictly Democrat, but you have people on the other side that, I mean, the what is coming out of the left is that like we are going to tax the rich. We're going to forever. I mean, like, that's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Higher taxes. It's, we want socialism. Healthcare needs to be free. Um, um, college needs to be free. We need to like big business, bad entrepreneurism, bad. We yep. need to come back. Like that is that side. And that, that, that isn't going to change how it's communicated might be just like on the right. Well, we're, what you and I stand for, isn't going to change. The only thing that could change is how it's communicated right? Of what we stand for. And so what I'm, what I'm not understanding, and I think where I would really love, and maybe this is the best way to ask the question, what I'm really having a rough time with, uh, with what you're saying is, is Trump has already started healthcare reform. It's not where it should be, but he has taken the first step and gotten rid of the individual mandate. He has already passed meaningful tax reform and has a track record for the last three and a half years of being continuing down that path. He might not reduce the size of the government, but he is certainly not going to expand it like the Democrats would. And if there was to be anybody to reduce the government, it would be Trump versus rather than the Democrats. The Federal Reserve, you've got me on 100%. I agree with you on that. And so what I'm looking at is I'm going, okay, you're saying like Trump has done everything that you've said that you want. He's mm -hmm. maybe not doing it enough. You're just mad at how he's communicating it. And I'm like, okay, but hypothetically, what if Trump wins? And I don't mean just the election. What if what if Trump does push this through and he gets in for another four years and then he he kills it and he beats him, even with that rhetoric? It, he he passes a law, he reforms healthcare, like he gets those things done, which we've seen that he has a pretty conse consecutive track record of getting stuff done. Who cares? And I, keep in mind, like I don't think rhetoric is his rhetoric is good, but like mm -hmm. who cares? if he's pissing some people off or using language or having a loud mouth on Twitter, if he's getting done what you've said that you're actually wanting out of him. Because and it will matter. It will matter in four years. It will 100% matter. Just like the, most of the policies of Barack Obama have been undone by a president who is elected as a reaction to Obama, you run that risk if that continues four years from now. So I think so, the fundamental difference of, between where you and I are standing is you think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, you think that if Tr if uh, Biden gets elected, he is not going to do irreversible damage. And I believe that if Biden gets elected, there will absolutely be irreversible damage done because of the state of America, particularly with COVID and the state of the world today. Would that be an accurate statement? So uh, in, if I were to say that in my words, I okay. think- because of the state of the world, because of our divide, you have momentum on the left that would force Joe Biden's hand, essentially, and, and get, that, get a lot of that policy through. If you don't solve the divide, what do you think that looks like in four years after Trump has been president 
okay. for a total of eight. Love this question. Sweet. So here's the deal. And this is actually, I got to give a little context to this. So I think the entire political system is broken, right? I have actually gone on record to say that I think that we are headed towards a, like the only way that we reset is with some form of collapse and reset in, in some, for America in some format or another. I don't think it has to be a complete, complete collapse, but I do think that the future of America, regardless of who gets into office from here on out, the future of America is not like the past of America. And so because of that, I look at this and I say, okay, somebody has got to be the leader. Somebody's going to be the leader when that change happens. And I believe that right now, America is at that tipping point with COVID, with the lockdowns, with the, the absolute anger of both sides of the aisle at each other. I mean, the, America, I believe, is at war with one another. We're just not using bullets. It is the left versus the right. We are not on the same team. We should be, but we're not because there are two radically different views for America. And so what I look at it is I say, hey, listen, the next four years, like COVID changed the landscape. Trump did at first, COVID came in and changed how we're going to govern moving forward because of the crazy amounts of massive government overreach. If COVID didn't happen, I, well, I think Trump would be elected, no problem, but like I, I would be mm -hmm. less scared of a Biden administration because of the momentum going behind it. But because we are at a tipping point in America and because there is so much at stake with the government being able to overreach, if you were to give up power right now, I don't, I, I literally do not believe that we live in a similar America in four years from now after a Joe Biden administration because of how much room there is right now for people to just do, like the politicians are basically just doing whatever they want. The American people can't stop them right now because there's so much overreach and it's all in the name of safety. And then you have the police coming in and enforcing it. And so to answer the question about in four years from now, my thing is that I don't think that there is a, like, I don't think in four years from now, if Biden gets elected, that there is a way that we reverse course and swing the pendulum back because I believe that the momentum that the socialists carries right now and the fact that the left has, I mean, some of the leftist policies are just insane. I'm like the cancel culture, the taking away of freedoms, the shutting down of churches, the, I mean, like these are things that are actually happening in real time, the shutting down of businesses, the taking away of personal freedoms, the uh, mandates that are unconstitutional or well, they're not, haven't been proven unconstitutional. So how do you bridge that divide, that. Josh? This, this, this is my central point. Okay. Is, is that if you don't bridge that divide, that you, you make the problem worse. So you give more fuel to that side of the argument, which absolutely. is the only reason why I'm conflicted about which is more important, solving the divide or continuing policy. It's the so, only reason why I'm conflicted. Love it. Okay, so, and here's my argument back to this. In the world, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, and it, it you're saying, hey, listen, like, the route that we're on right now clearly isn't working with the rhetoric and the device of this. And I'm saying the momentum is there. We're headed that direction. Social media, like the cat is out of the bag. The division is there. It's not like everybody's just going to wake up one day and be like, oh, Joe Biden became president. Oh, somebody besides Trump became president. We all love each other now. Like either whoever becomes president, there's riots. I, I, I believe that. Biden or Trump, both sides. Like there's fighting, there's war of some sort. And so what I'm saying is that the only way to solve this problem is to go through it because we're not going back. The government isn't 
reversing course. It's not becoming less powerful anytime soon, especially with the Democrats. And the future of America looks fundamentally different. So how you bridge that gap and divide is you push all the way through, you get behind the person whose policies, not rhetoric, not what they're saying, their actual policies favor free market, favor freedoms, and go, we're in for a ride, let's strap on, let's, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? And in four, eight, 12 years from now, when America looks radically different, do we want it to look radically different towards the ideas of freedom and personal liberties or do we, and, and pro-economic, uh, pro-economic freedoms, or do we want it to look radically different in the form of socialism? Because like America is changing. The ship is, I don't know if it's going down is the right terminology, but like Joe Biden or Donald Trump only have so much control of what goes on. The ship is doing its thing. They're just yep. steering it. And so yep. if you're driving off of a cliff or if the Titanic is going down, you can steer it, but like you can't stop it. And so, so my, go, go so ahead. My, my, my only conflict is over if even what you describe happens in four years, there is demand to undo those policies. And so if you, if you don't solve that principal problem, then we can get an incredible amount of work done over four years, but it won't matter in the long term. You will now have a reaction to it that wants to undo it. It doesn't have to be that way, but all we need is a change in rhetoric or, or, or a president who can bring people together. Now, so you it, could make the argument, Josh, you mm -hmm. could make the argument that four years from now, when you have continued momentum, that would be the time for a centrist nominee who could calm things down. You could make that argument. I just fear that the divide will be too stark at that time to be able to undo. I believe that that, that point that is already there. there. I believe we're already to that point because of social media and because of the media and because like, I'm not... I think it would be a fair assumption to say that Trump could literally come out and do everything that the Democrats are proposing to do right now. And he would, it would be spun as bad, uh, orange man, bad Trump evil. Like yes, there is if, absolutely if the rhetoric didn't change. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. If the rhetoric didn't change. And I mean, once again, social justice reform was very, very positive, but the rhetoric never matched it. Right. And as a result, you don't have the but bridging how of the divide. So, so it, it, it's a catch 22 because it's Trump's fault and it's the media's fault. Like yes, they're, e agree. they're equally responsible, Agreed. but like, but Trump, Trump no longer become like part of how Trump is able to get stuff done is because of how, who Trump is. And so if Trump huh? kills the rhetoric, which by the way, I disagree with, I think like, I'm like, dude, just shut up sometimes. Right. Like yep. I I'm with you on that. But if he kills that, then all of a sudden he loses a lot of momentum and power of, of what he is able to go and actually go and get done. And because yes, I like that on policy, I love what he's doing on policy. And because I believe America is at a divide and at war, I'm like, Trump, I hate your rhetoric. You suck sometimes, but dude, your policy's on point. Strap in. Like, it's in World War II. You didn't like Patton because he was an a-hole, but like Patton helped win World War II. You don't put, like, Trump is not presidential. But like we're at a time in America right now where we didn't need a presidential candidate. We needed somebody that actually got stuff done. Now we've turned the ship and it's steering towards some form of, I don't know if safety is the right word, but some form of freedoms and, and it's on the right path. Trump finished the job four more years of, of really good policy, of bringing the country back economically, of 
securing the borders, of having a good military, right, of so, having so, positive so relations. Josh, yeah. Josh, I'm I'm gonna be your fiance here for a second. Oh boy, All I right. need you to understand. I am engaged, by the way, so you might have competition, but continue. <laughs> no, I I know you're engaged, so I want you to pretend I'm your fiance for a second. Okay. All right. Say I, I need you to understand me, not fix the problem right now. All right, just just for this moment, because I don't think you're hearing my point. Okay. My point is, I agree with you on all of this philosophically. And I was willing to put up with the rhetoric because of how much progress was happening to our side of the philosophy. Now, especially with COVID having changed things, we have this divide that you say has the potential to cause some sort of reckoning, whether that is war or whether that is economic collapse, some sort of collapse in culture. I think COVID just sped that up. I think we were on the track of it. COVID I 100% just percent okay. agree. I 100% agree that it sped things up. And so you have the divide being very, very stark because of all the reasons that you said. If you continue that divide, then you have the reckoning that you're talking about. And I think that is very avoidable, very avoidable. And if it's not avoided, then we run the risk of undoing all the policies that we hold dear. And I think that you get more demand for there to be a leftist uprising. You say that's already there. I think it can get worse. And so I, I would agree. Only, yeah. The only conflict going on with me is what is more important, ensuring that there is no reckoning, ensuring that we don't undo all of our progress, ensuring that we don't let the left continue to have momentum or continuing on the policy that we have, knowing that we run the risk of feeding a reaction to the other side. That is the only conflict. Because of the state of the world, we're faced with this decision of, of, of are we going to double down on what we believe in while potentially creating more of a divide? Or do we try to bridge this so that we can continue the progress? I don't know because it's philosophical. And, I don't know and so you're but, a crystal ball. And, but in your debate, Aaron, sorry. And so your gamble, like we're at the casino Dude, that's here a good, right now. That is a good word for it, Josh. That's a good word for it. Okay. Yes. So your gamble is. Fair point. All right. Listen, I'm going to gamble that if, and I'm, I'm assuming with this is, okay, I'm going to vote for Biden here. I, I know you're not decided yet, but like hypothetically, mm -hmm. the gamble is we're going to put Biden in office. We're going to hope the rhetoric changes that somehow we're able to find some form of common ground. And that's what I'm betting on with the flip side is if you lose, uh, there's massive, massive overreach. There's crazy increase of taxes and there's a packing of the court in, in a, in an extreme, an extreme lose situation in an, that, in an extreme case, in an extreme yes. lose situation on the and, flip side, I'm gambling and I'm saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to gamble and say, I'm going to bet on the person that is currently right now doing policies that I like in the hopes that after the election is over and after we round the curve, Trump rhetoric, I know, but like in a year or two from now, once, once COVID is kind of more at bay and under control, that we go back to a little bit of what it was before COVID and where Trump was divisive, nothing like he is now with COVID because COVID has accelerated that divide. And I'm thinking that because America is going to look different, I'm going to bet on the dude that's actually given me policy that's helped us. And in the extreme case that I'm wrong, in four more years from now, I get the extreme other side of what you're talking about now. That's so, exact. That is very well articulated. So that's the that's the decision right now. The decision yes. that someone has to make when they're voting is 
do I want to take, basically, do I want to gamble now or do I want to gamble later? Like, or do I want to gamble with the Democrats now or do I want to run the risk of getting a, an AOC in the White House in four years? That's right. That's right. That, that I have nothing to add, Josh. Amazing. That, that, that is what I have played out is the gamble that I, that I am, the gamble that I have played out if, if Trump is reelected is do you get an AOC? who will just be old enough to be president in four years. I don't know. It, it, it is a gamble either way. And, and I hate that I am gambling on which scenario do I fear most, which whether – actually, this might be a good philosophical conversation about which one am I more, most excited about? Which gamble do I – if I didn't have any fear, what gamble would I make? And uh, that would be an interesting philosophical mental jujitsu there. Okay, so – I don't, we don't have time to go into that round two for sure, but I do want to kind of, it's, it's a slight pivot from that, which is, I want to go into this, the fact that you own capitalism.com. Okay. And yep. you are clearly a capitalist. <laughs> um, the idea of socialism, it, if I am not mistaken, is something that is, you're pretty adamantly against as a general rule. Yes. Of course. Okay. So, hypothetically, why not, why not just be all, like, I, I understand how the American people swing of left to right, to left to right, to left to right. I mean, it's like back one extreme to the next, back and forth with presidents. Why not, though, at a time when social, the push for socialism right now is so strong, stronger than it's ever been in the history of America, or America to go socialist, why not fight that head on right now and go, you know what? Trump is not a socialist. He might not be your typical capitalist, but he's certainly not a socialist. I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to get behind that because I am going to be, we're going to beat socialism. And for the next four years, we're going to figure out how to make sure that an AOC type person doesn't get in office. And that is just a Joe Biden type person. Again, why, why not instead of, picking the least of two fears of being like, oh man, do I want this thing to happen or this thing happens? Ah, oh, it's the worst of two people. Why not say, hey, listen, right now I can take control. And right now the best stand against socialism is Donald Trump. And in four years from now, we'll figure out what the best stand against socialism is, but I'm gonna control what I can control right now. I am doing exactly that. And the least effective way that I do that is how I vote. How, how, how I vote plays very little impact on how much I fight socialism. Fighting, fighting socialism and being pro-capitalism is my life, Josh. It's like my life mission. So and how, only, so how do you do that on an individual level? Because what I, is way more powerful than any government structure is personal freedom. If they raise my taxes, I'll make more money and I will invest in more things that give me more depreciation. If they try to regulate me more, I start a business that even more people want. If they try to, to trap me, I create more personal freedom by creating more things. Like personal freedom is the most powerful force in the world. And no government structure can stand against that. So I, so I, I fight that with my life more than I fight that with my vote, which is, and which would is why you I'm not, not concerned in either way. But would you not agree though, that a Trump administration take rhetoric out of it strictly from a policy standpoint, a Trump administration policy over the course of the next four years would make your mission 
I don't want to say easier because that's not right, that's the right word because you're hustling. Like it would expedite it that much more because you would have that less regulation and that much government overreach not to fight. Not necessarily. Yes, I see your point and no, not necessarily. I, I believe very strongly in, in pendulum and, and re reaction theory, which is if you get more socialism, demand for my services and my messages just went through the roof. Like my, my, my no one needs my message right now because we have, we are because of, because of free, the momentum of freedom. If, if you, if you get more leftist policies and more government overreach, my message is louder and clearer than ever. So no, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it matters either way. What I care about is that long term we win the philosophical argument, and we, we will either way because because no socialist policy can hold back personal freedom. It's too strong. So I hear how, your how point do you about how do you say that though? Because it's happening across the globe. Like you look at places like Venezuela. Government overreach is absolutely killing personal freedoms right now. Socialism has a, is on a dying breath. When you're looking at the macro, there is more personal freedom than ever on the macro worldwide. And that will continue to happen. If you look, yes, can you find socialism today? Yes, absolutely. Can you find war today? Yes, absolutely. War now compared to 500 years ago, not even close. We're so much safer. We have so much more freedom. So in the macro, we win always. So I don't fear what happens in the short term because I'll adjust and so will human beings. And, and, and okay, more demand and, for freedom. And I agree with that. And I think that any entrepreneur listening, and, I, and I've said this and I'm in 100% agreement with you. Guys, listen, like everyone thinks that I'm like, oh, Trump, because Trump's going to serve you best, Josh. I'm like, I actually think Trump is what's better for society. I'm like, I'm 100% with you. If the Joe Biden comes in and says, you got to pay 60% taxes, I'd make 60% more money, right? Like, I'm not, like, I'm going to get rich regardless, me personally. Yeah. But I'm looking at how difficult, like, I want to be a free man. I want to be able to live my life. I want to not have to wear a mask. If I don't want to have to wear a mask, I want to yep. be able to conduct business yep. if I want to conduct business. And I'm like, there's so much, like, why would I, well, we've already gone down that. Why would I create a society um, that, or vote for a society that would potentially take that away when like, I know you don't think it's going to happen, but they're, uh, they're actively advocating for it. And that's where I, I understand what you're saying about like long-term versus short-term, but I don't, let me ask you this. If you believe that voting is the voting for president is the least way that you're going to fight socialism versus capitalism, then why does it matter at all? Why do you even care who gets into office? Why not just not vote at all and just focus on your business? So philosophically, uh, I mean, I mean, you could say I'm, I am going to vote, but that is how I approach it. I really don't have much of an emotional reaction to who wins. I consider it theater more than anything. But the ph philosophical conversation is why we're here. The analysis of where we are as a culture is why we are here. How it reflects how society views each other is why we're here. The only reason why politics is interesting is because it's a reflection of where we are as human beings. And human beings have desires to be free, to grow, to expand, and we project that onto our politicians. So I don't think it matters how I vote. I think it matters how I respond to how I vote. Mm. And I think it matters how I treat those who vote differently than me.
I'm way more interested in how you treat people and how you respond to the world rather than who you vote for, which is why I so appreciate that we started this conversation with if Joe Biden wins, both of us will wish him a successful presidency. hundred percent. So, so that matters way more than who you vote for. So if I stay home and don't vote, this conversation is exactly the same. It's a philosophical conversation about where we go as a society over the long term. So I think the point that you make, I think the most interesting point that you make, which is, get, and I'm glad that we, you've made this point and, and I've made my point on this, is that your, your decision to vote, that you're not sure who to vote for, has, nothing, has very, very little to do with the candidate itself, actually, um, because you and I both agree that, hypothetically speaking, if you could have Donald Trump be the policies uh, implemented for the re rest of time versus Joe Biden's policies effective for the rest of time, we would both agree that Trump's policies win out every time. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. 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 So the, the where your struggle is, is, hey, listen, I I would rather take a, cent, uh, a centrist bad uh, um, type of politician now rather than an extreme socialist in eight years. And I think that the way we avoid a socialist in eight years is by voting for a centrist person now. And my argument is, well, listen, I think we fight in eight years, in eight, or I'm sorry, in four years from now, we fight in four years from now, in four years from now, and we fight now, now, and I believe that because of COVID, there's going to be a massive, massive overreach of far greater and far more extreme than what Joe Biden is letting on. And therefore, I believe that Trump is the best option now because we've got to kill it now versus in four years from now. Beautiful summary. Okay. Absolutely beautiful summary. I love and this. Where I, and where I think you were most persuasive is in talking about the projection of possible overreach that has been reflected in the party and playing out the scenario of if that is played out when you have the presidency in terms of signing the bill, the possible danger of that. And so really we are playing a game of short versus long-term. And well, I, 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 that I mean, and, and hypotheticals. I mean, like it, it, you, who you vote for here has... And I think this should, everybody should take this into heart. Who you vote for here has everything to do with what you think they're going to do and how you think people are going to act, not what, who the who the president or the person is. Correct. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious and and glad that you brought up that phrase of how people are going to react, because yeah. we are reacting to who the president is rather than what the policy really is. And I, I am very concerned over the reaction to Trump over four more years, much more than I am concerned about the policies of Trump. So it's actually interesting. I think, I believe that we have a, I believe that if Joe Biden gets elected and, and this is a very important and, if he gets elected and he is able to implement the policies that are being proposed, that we actually have a much less peaceful next four years than if Trump gets in and is able to propose what he's proposing, because I believe that what Joe Biden leads to is an actual uprising. And I don't know, want to say overthrow of government because that's not accurate, but massive civil unrest for invasion of personal liberties and freedom versus Trump. Yes, there might be riots and people might get you know pissed off and burn some buildings, but it's a civil issue, not a personal freedom issue. I, I share in your concern that I sometimes feel like I am choosing over which uprising I want. Do mm, I, do I yeah. want the, the uprising of people coming into the suburbs and burning down rich people's houses? Or do I want the uprising of people burning down public buildings and trying to overthrow the government? <laughs> Neither scenario makes me very happy.
And, and, wow. that, and that goes back to my point of the future of America is changing. We are not the same, Amer like America over the next four to eight years is radically fundamentally different from the America for the last 20 to 30 years. And that the person that we put in charge for the next four years will ultimately determine what the outcome of the next four to eight years is gonna look like. And I err on the side. Like, I don't even think of the election in four years from now will be similar to this election now. Like, I think it's gonna be that much of a different America either in either scenario, whether it's Trump or Biden. And the person that I, and this is the reason I'm voting for Trump is because I believe that Trump is the best person in the case of keeping the second amendment intact, restoring personal liberties or keeping personal liberties and preventing massive, massive government overreach. And typically speaking, promoting economic growth. Let's, let's close on this point, Josh, yeah. because we philosophically are so in alignment. Yeah, for sure. Like we're, we are on the same page, <laughs> right? So if you put our, if, if you wrote out my policies and your policies, you probably couldn't tell them apart. Which is why it's so wild to me that you're, I mean, I know, I understand better now that you're voting or why you would consider voting for Biden, but that's wild to me considering how close we are on policies. Continue. So, so the, 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 our, our concern is over really where society is going rather than where you and I want policy to be. We completely are on the same page about yeah. that. Yeah. And there's a reason why Mitt Romney, John Kasich, Bill Weld, a lot of well-respected Republicans are sympathetic to Joe Biden. And it is because of what I'm expressing over a concern of where society is going in reaction to Trump versus the policies of Trump. We've, most Republicans have been very happy with the policies but the, the rhetoric has caused a change in society. Regardless yeah. of how you vote or I vote, there is a, a question about what our responsibility is as society does this. And our, yeah. my biggest responsibility is, is to be kind to one another. The worst, the worst, the thing that is making the, that is giving fuel to the left is our willingness to be so insensitive to their concerns is our, is our willingness to not hear them out. I, now, I don't want, I don't want their policies. I, uh, so I'm going to, I understand that in concept, but I think that that actually stemmed from the fact that I, I think that the insensitive is towards politicians and the fact that the American yes. public did not feel heard for the last, however many years well Trump said. made them feel heard. And now we're like, screw you. You're, you support the people that literally got nothing done and made me not feel heard. And so I think we are in, in like well inadvertently creating that feeling of we're not being sensitive, but in reality, we feel like most people that are voting for Trump, I wouldn't beside exclude his cult like supporters and exclude Biden's cult like supporters. I get it. There's cult like supporters on both sides, but like the typical average American, I think it basically comes to, it's like, Hey, listen, that's, that's supporting Trump, not Biden is basically like, yo, listen, like, like don't take my money and leave me alone. Right. Like, and whereas the left is more of, Hey, we have real concerns and it's the government's responsibility to take care of these concerns. And because of that, we all need to be taxed and have our freedoms invaded for it. And so the one side versus the other of being inconsiderate, I don't think is a direct being inconsiderate. I think it is the effect of the results of what's happens in the political system for the last hour. Zero disagreement yeah. in our personal interactions with each other. Yes. We can actually bridge the divide. Yes. 
And so here's, you know what, this would be the most, I'm going to make the argument that could sway me. This, this is, this is where this could go. If we agree that the, the job of the president is to set policy and it is our job to bridge the divide, then my entire argument is neutralized. Then that's my art. I mean, actually, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a but honestly, that is a phenomenal argument. I know I didn't make it. Um, I think that that's how we should live, regardless of whether requires, or not you. Yeah. That requires the right, that requires Republicans, and it requires centrists and libertarians to take on that responsibility. Do you think of, the, right, the right or the left is more accepting of the other side right now? I think the right is more accepting of the left. And they're, yeah. It, 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 is, it is still our job to neutralize it. Yeah. And, to, you, and you neutralize that through personal interactions, through empathy, through listening. And then if our argument is, I'm really happy with the policies and I will hear you out, and we take that as a rule of society, like on our side of the argument, my entire point is, is we never got to this conversation because there's no more concern. Yeah. Well, basically then what needs to happen is Trump needs to get back in office and then he needs to shut up and stop creating a cult of supporters, never do any campaign rallies ever and just go and get policy done because he's not running for re-election. So do just shut up and stop acting like you're everybody's hero. Just go get the I policy done. That. And yeah, that'd be, that'd be lit. I would, that would be ideal scenario. So I'm just going to pretend I'll I'll call Trump. I'll let him know that he gets Ryan Moran's vote. If that happens, (laughs) done deal. (laughs) If if he, if he shuts up for three years and just governs, that's ideal scenario. Second best scenario is Biden gets elected and nothing gets done. That's, that's second best scenario. What we've spent most of the time talking about is the worst case scenarios. So there's reason to be optimistic always. There's For sure. always reason. And there's and and if nothing else, all of our of our results come down to our personal freedoms and what we do with them rather than what is happening in Washington, DC. One of the reasons why we have this divide is we now have an expectation that the president is supposed to do things on our behalf rather than simply yes. the constitution to defend our borders and defend life and liberty. That's okay. The, the role of the federal government, I believe is to basically to do three things. It is to perfect, protect us from foreign enemies is to promote economic growth. And it is pr- to over overall keep uh, peace and communication between the humans of society or like in, in the country, everything else has got to be at the state level. Like I literally, literally believe that's 100%. it. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think that's a great ending point. I think that's a great ending point. I agree with you. And the minute that we drop our expectation that the federal government is supposed to do something on our behalf, the more that we bridge this divide and we don't have to have this conversation. All right. So I got a couple rapid fire questions for you here. I'm ready. Rapid fire question number one. What is one thing that you like about Trump and one thing that you like about Biden? <laughs> um, one thing that I like about Trump is I'll start with Biden. Okay, go with Biden <laughs> um, first. One thing that I like about uh, Joe Biden is that I believe he is genuinely empathetic and kind. One thing that I like about uh, Donald Trump is I think that his philosophy of pro-business has been 
has been a giant step in the right direction for the progress of humanity. Okay. So I'm going to answer the same question, then we'll go on to the next one. One thing I like about Joe Biden, and I'm right there with you, is that Joe Biden genuinely seems like he wants to care about everyone. And he genuinely seems like, while I may disagree with him on how and everything like that, I genuinely do believe that he has a caring heart. One thing that I like about Trump is Trump empowers the individual and shows like and like brings out American pride and pride to win. And like he Obama literally apologized to people about America. Trump stood up and instilled patriot patriotism yeah. back into the American public and showed people. And I'm very, very big on this, like that, like you do not have to listen to what society tells you. Like yes. you can be well successful being your own freaking person. Well you can break every single rule and still win. Don't live in fear. How you choose to act and be is the result of your life. I love well that. About Trump. Yes. All right. Next question. What's one thing you hate about Biden? What's one thing you hate about Trump? I hate Biden's vice presidential pick. <laughs> I hate uh, one thing I hate about Biden is how I think he caters to the opinions of whoever is the loudest. And one thing I hate about Donald Trump is his propensity to attack individuals unnecessarily in order to maintain dominance. Mm. Okay. The thing that I dislike about Biden is I, I don't actually believe anything that Biden says because I don't think Biden, like, I don't think Biden is, um, Yeah, I think you said it best with the catering. Like Biden will do whatever, like Biden's a pushover in the sense of he wants to please everybody. Yeah, right. And so whoever can come in and push the best sob story or, oh my gosh, my loved one died at home is who's going to get Biden to sign off on it. Yeah. And because of that, I trust, I don't actually believe that Biden is the one making 90% of the decisions. I believe he's just signing off on it and he's, he's being, hey, I, hate, I hate to use the terminology of puppet, but I think that's the best analogy for it. Like Understood. he is kind of a puppet. The thing that I hate most about Trump is that Donald Trump literally cannot not praise himself. He, he <laughs> lit, like yesterday in the debates and, or in the final debate, when he was like, we're talking about the immigration thing, which is, was his one big blunder, I believe in, in the final debate of the questions about the immigrations. It was, that oh but but where the kids are staying now are they're clean they're nice they're beautiful they're amazing i'm like <laughs> they're extremely well taken care of the best like, cages the biggest cage like what probably it literally he cannot like everything that he is accused of he claims he's done amazing and it's like dude nobody can do that and it's okay if you've overlooked a couple things and it is like he is so completely obsessed with himself and his image because he thinks that's what it's going to take to win. Yes. Where in reality, if he just like, it's not even that he has to admit it. He literally just doesn't have to say it. Correct. Like, don't, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm terrible. I overlooked it. Literally just don't praise yourself in that area. <laughs> and you would solve so many freaking problems. It's insane. So many of them. I, so many. I 1000% agree with you. You know what? I, I, something that didn't come up and I'm so thankful it didn't. Thank you for not making this conversation about Hunter Biden 
Ukraine or like things that um, we're now speculating or Hillary Clinton's emails or about that. It is, it is, people are so easily persuaded by what they think will justify their emotional opinion rather than just looking at what is. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And the one thing I will say on that, so like I am a massive advocate against human sex trafficking as well. Right, like I mean, that that's uh, huge. I had a video go viral. Both of us con- contribute to OUR. Major sympathetic, yes, and sympathetic I, to that. Yeah, yeah Tim Ballard a, is doing amazing work. Amazing, amazing. But here's the deal: people calling Joe Biden a pedophile. I'm like, you can't say that. That yeah. Pe- it, people that saying is, that he's got got money. I'm like, listen, I might believe that, but if the left accused Trump of those things, I would be pushing so hard back until there were actual irrefutable proof that that happened and the second there is irrefutable proof that joe biden is a pedophile which there's no proof of that the second that hunter biden that or that joe biden received money from overseas the second that any of these allegations have irrefutable proof that they happened then we can that we can use that as that's exactly right but until that point it is speculation and that would be like if someone called me a sexual predator or somebody called you know you a, a, a rapist or if somebody said you did illegal things you'd be like um there's actually no proof of that whatsoever and so i would i would not want that done to me therefore i will not do it to somebody else so let's let's talk about this real quick because okay. we, we Repu- i say we i'm really talking about those who tend to vote republican or for small government were appalled at how Brett Kavanaugh was treated. Appalled. We were, we were appalled at this, right? And and yet here we are so willing to do it to someone on the other side. And how Trump was treated with in the Ukraine with the impeachment. Correct. And but, but we're so we we just we're so thirsty to do it to the other side. That is the problem. That is the problem. The problem is that we are so willing and ready to attack the other side how they perceive that they treat us. And it requires someone, some group of people to end that trend, to say, I will, I will not respond. I will not treat you the same way that I perceive that you treated me. I will end this. And someone has to do that. And the ideal scenario is what we, pre- is what we presented, which is that it is human beings, not politicians. It's not even the ideal scenario. It. It's the only scenario. The, because Correct. It is the, the only one. No politicians. Like the unfortunate thing about politics today, and this is something we didn't even get to, but I think is a great argument for Trump. No politician today gets elected by acting how we just described, unfortunately, because the only way that you get elected is you got to pander. You've got to create divide. You, like you've got to build your army. You've got to build your force. And maybe at some point we will get back to that point. But Biden and Trump are, are, are very similar in a lot of ways in the sense of it's attack, attack, attack. It's the other side is horrible. And we're not like, and, and I think that, Trump, I mean, Trump is obviously worse at it, but I do not think that a moral, moral person, like a an actual moral kind person, gets elected to the White House. Like I don't see that in any time in the in the near future. I hear you. I hear so, you. So it's on us. It's on like us. We, like we have to bridge this divide. So regardless of who wins. So now the question becomes, how do you make your decision, and when do you decide who you're going to vote for? Because everyone's going to want to know, Ryan. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give it a few more days to see how, um, the rhetoric around the election plays. I have changed my mind every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, I can tell you, I'm very confident that I will be voting Republican down the ticket, except for, except for one seat. 
And that's the one that I'm still making my decision on. So I, I will, again, I, my, my vote could be won so easily by Trump, so easily by Trump. And I, I'm kind of trying to give him as much time as possible to say any of those. If he doesn't say any of those, then I will probably vote Biden. Okay, I'm going to throw one more thing out here, and I'm going to okay. just try to convince you why you should vote for Trump, because I am adamant that I think Biden is a terrible pick, and then you, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Rewind pre-COVID, where everything was ex escalated. Trump's rhetoric was escalated. The media's hatred for Trump was escalated. We are right before the election, where we know right before the election is the worst of every candidate, right? Like, would you, we agree on that? Yes. Okay, rewind a year, year and a half. If the election was held a year and a half ago, would you have voted for Trump? I can't find a flaw in your argument. Well okay. done. Okay. So if that be the case, give Trump the benefit of the doubt because of everything that he had done and understand that the whole entire media cycle changes in 14 days from right now. As soon as that election is over, well, yes, there's going to be some uprising or things like that, but the campaign trail is over. Now we have our decision, and now Trump gets back to, I mean, Trump is still going to be Trump, Biden's still going to be Biden, whatnot. But like, I think we get to go back to normalcy is not the right word, but something that isn't the most high pressure, high stakes uh, place where we've been. And rewind a year and a half ago, because COVID isn't going to be around forever, and we're not always going to be a week before a presidential campaign and make your decision based off of that. That would be my final thought. That's a very well thought out final thought, Josh. Hey, I want to, first of all, I want to, I want to thank you for um, presenting the arguments in the way that you have, because this is probably the first political conversation I've had where I think we, we stayed on philosophy and policy rather than going to personal attacks. For and sure. man, what a better world this would be if we had those kinds of conversations rather than resorting to the same type of a thought process that my five-year-old has, which is I've been talking politics about her or with her throughout this, this time. And I've come to the realization that most of the world has never grown out of a five-year-old's understanding of politics. <laughs> because She talks about politics the same way that most of my peers do. So thank you for keeping this conversation the way that you did. Of course, of course. Ryan, I, I want to say I'm super bummed that we didn't get to have video on, but I really, really appreciate your time coming on here. I think this was a great discussion. Um, I'll, I'm going to be following up with you, even if you're not going to say publicly. I'm just, I'm very curious to see what you're going to end up with uh, and who you're going to vote for. Uh, last, last prediction, just real quick. Who wins and why? 30 seconds. I think, I think Trump wins significantly and handily. And I think that he wins because the majority of people who are polled are still afraid to say that they're going to vote for Donald Trump. So I, I think that the polls are going to be in, as inaccurate as they were four years ago. All right. I believe Trump is going to win an absolute landslide. I made the bold prediction on Facebook that he will win both the Electoral College and the popular vote. And I believe that he will do that because people are absolutely fed up with the coronavirus lockdowns. And while they're pissed off at Trump, and his rhetoric and everything else, they are equally, if not more, pissed off at the absolute insanity of the left. And it's not difficult to look around and see what is happening in Democrat-run cities. And I think people are afraid for personal freedoms and liberties. And that's why I think Trump is going to win. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. And um, we're going to have to do round two of this after the election. We'll have to come Sounds back great. And, and, and do that.
I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much, Josh. Awesome. All right, guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones to change the world. I love you all. and I'll see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. <laughs>